I must have been crazy. Drunk too, maybe. Why had I received no protection from the Capitoline gods? All right, I admit Jupiter and Minerva might feel I was their most insignificant alakite, merely slave to a sinecure, a placeman, a careerist, and a half-hearted one at that. But Juno could have helped me out. Juno really should have bestirred herself from leaning on one elbow, playing Olympian board games of hero-baiting and husband-tracking. The Queen of Heaven could have stilled the dice just long enough to notice that the new procurator of her sacred geese had an unworkable glitch in his otherwise smooth-running social life. In short, I had stupidly agreed to be the warm-up act at someone else's poetry show. My fellow author was a senator of consular rank. Disastrous. He would expect his friends and relatives to be seated on the comfortable benches while mine squashed into a few inches of standing room. He would grab most of the reading time. He would go first, while the audience was still awake. What's more, he was bound to be a bloody awful poet. I'm talking about Rutilius Gallicus. That's right, the same Rutilius Gallicus who would one day be the urban prefect, the emperor's law and order chief, Domitian's strong-arm boy, that great man who is nowadays so greatly loved by the populace, as we are told by those who tell us what to think. Twenty years ago, at the time of our reading together, he was just any old ex-consul. Then we still had Vespasian on the throne. As his legate in Tripolitania, Rutilus had recently solved a boundary dispute, for what that was worth, not much unless you had the misfortune to live in Lepkis Magna or Ear. He had not yet become eligible to govern a province, was not yet famous for his German exploit, and nobody would ever have expected him to be the subject of heroic poetry himself. A celebrity in waiting. I thought him a pleasant mediocrity, a provincial just about holding up to wearing his senatorial purple. Wrong, Falco. He was my friend, it seemed. I viewed this honour with great caution, as I had gained the impression even then that he was also cozying up to Domitian, our least lovable imperial prince. Rutilius must think there was an advantage in it. I chose my pals more carefully. At home, with the matronly wife who hailed from his own town of origin, Augusta Torinorum in northern Italy, and with what they possessed of a family, how should I know, I was just a newly promoted equestrian. He might have befriended me as a fellow exile when we first met in faraway Africa, but in Rome I would never be taken home to meet his noble kin. At home the gladsome Gallicus would be known as Gaius or whatever. I did not qualify to use his private name. He would never call me Marcus either. I was Falco. For me, he would remain Sir. I could not tell if he knew there was mockery clothing my respectful tone. I was never too obvious. I like to keep my record clean. Besides, if he did become Domitian's crony, you never know where toadying may lead. Well, some of us know now. But then you would never have marked down Rutilus Gallicus for favour and fame. One advantage of sharing a platform with a patrician was that he hired a grand venue. Our stage was in the gardens of Mycenaeus, no less. Those luxurious walkways laid out at the back of the Oppian Hill, smashing through the old republican walls and planted on the ancient burial grounds of the poor. Lots of manure in situ, as Helena pointed out. Now the gardens lurked in the lee of the more recent golden house. They were less well hoed and watered, 
but they still existed, owned by the imperial family since Mycenas himself died seventy years before. There was a belvedere nearby, from which Nero had supposedly watched the great fire rampaging. Mycenas had been Augustus's notorious financier, funder of emperors, friend to famous poets, and an all-round truly disgusting pervert. Still, if I could ever find an Etruscan nobleman to buy my dinner and encourage my art, I would probably stomach him fingering pretty boys. Presumably he bought their dinners, too. All patronage is pimping of some kind. I ought to be wondering what grateful actions Lutilius would demand of me. Well, ours was a different situation, I told myself. My patron was a well-behaved Flavian prick, but no prig is perfect, at least when viewed from the Aventine stews where character flaws proliferate like hot room mould, doing their desperate damage in rowdy plebeian families.